Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio. Our guests today are Sheila Hemphill and Coleman Hemphill from Brady, Texas. They are citizen activists working on issues I believe you care about also. Having walked the halls of the Texas Capitol, they have a close and intimate understanding of how the laws that are made in that building affect our daily lives. Every state has its capital that we, the people, need to learn how to engage and hold responsible the politicians for the laws that they established. Seeing the need to educate people on the process of lobbying and advocating for issues they care about, this mother and son team have developed the Texas Right to Know website. Sheila Coleman, thank you so much for being on Living Wealthy Radio. You guys, uh, I met you several years ago and had heard so much about you and everything I had heard, um, you know, just your energy that that I experienced live, right, uh, and your passion for advocating on behalf of so many people, it's just amazing what you guys have accomplished. How did you get started with um, political activism? The Laura Presley case happening in Austin, Texas, she is the first court suit over the integrity of the electronic voting system. And I would encourage people to go to that site. And if you only have a few minutes, just look off to the right, and you're going to see some videos. One video discusses, uh, is a testimony of a Eugene Curtis, who in 2004, Teresa, he is testifying that he wrote programs that would flip any election, 51 to 49, and you would never see it. Now, you're talking about Save Our Vote on the Texas Right to Know tab, um, sorry, Save Our Vote tab on the Texas Right to Know website, and it's the Laura Presley case. Share a little bit about about that case, because that's a fascinating case, and she is fighting it tooth and nail. Well, uh, another video that will be there is about uh, New Hampshire, and in in this example, it shows, I think everyone's familiar with the electronic voting system, and everybody's probably voted on paper. And the New Hampshire Diebold voting machine hacking shows eight people in a room with a ballot and that has one question on it, and they either answered yes or no. So they sat there and uh, pulled one person, volunteered to just pull a random scanning machine from the whole stack that was in the county. They pulled it, and the computer programmer guy brings in the memory card. That's all is touched on that scanning machine is the memory card. So everyone sees how everyone votes. There were six no's and one yes. Everyone placed their paper ballot into the scanner, and then when they generate the tabulation results, the result says seven yes and one no. When they had penciled in six no and two yes, and it just spit out the tabulated results. And no one was at a keyboard. No one touched the machine. So that just goes to tell you that when you're dealing with anything electronically, There are so many millions of lines of code in any software that there is all sorts of of, uh, corruption that can take place in computer programming. 
So basically, at least if you have paper, they could physically go back and look and physically see that, no, there were six penciled in no and two yes. So really, a paper document ballot is the only certifiable means of voting, and that would have to be done evaluated by a human. Because when you, when you start integrating technology, those computer programmers can basically do whatever result they want to come out of that tabulated result. So in that video, were they assuming that the memory card had been programmed to flip votes? <laughs> well, the guy just walks with the card. They just plug it in. Well, that's what any county clerk is going to do. They're going to bring the memory cards. They're going to plug them in. They're not going to have any cause to question. Now, what was really disturbing about the Laura Presley case is that state law has guidelines on how electronic voting should take place. It specifically says that there's supposed to be a ballot image. So everybody knows, you know, pictures like on your phone would be a JPEG or a GIF file. So when you vote electronically, what's displayed to you should be a snapshot. Your selections go into a database. It's from the database that they tabulate the results. Now, what's disturbing is when the Secretary of State was asked, uh, well, when Ms. Presley asked for a recount, she's supposed to be able to get the ballot images. What they're giving, Teresa, to these people who are asking for recounts is what is called a cast vote record. This is nothing more than a printout of the same tabulated data that was used for the results. You're never going to get a different result looking at cast vote records and the tabulated results because it originates from the database. The Eugene Curtis talks about being able to change that database and flip any election 79 to 40, uh, 50, 51 to 49 for any election. Now, here's what's disturbing. All electronic voting systems in the state of Texas are not storing a ballot image. So you don't even have a picture to go back to. It's, it's really, everyone needs to understand what's happening right here in Texas. And they can do that by visiting Texas Right to Know Government, Save Our Vote, Laura Presley, and get on over to um, Laura Presley for Austin's website and see what's happening because we have a crucial election coming up in November. And obviously that's and the against goal the law, of, of right? Texas right to know. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say really the goal of, of Texas right to know is to take back our government. And the first thing that we have to do in order to do that is to ensure that we have fair elections. I think there's been a lot of discussion really just in the last week about are these elections rigged? I think there's a lot of really frustrated people nationwide on the Democrat and Republican side. They're really asking this question is, is this truly a fair voting system? And if we don't have that insured first, all of the other things we're talking about um, aren't, aren't able to, to be true. We're not able to, to really know. Here's what people can do listening. Contact your county clerk and hold them responsible for following state law. Because we, in the uh, discovery during the Presley case, we are seeing that the Secretary of State offices are giving instructions to county clerks to, like, not print a tally tape. Well, a tally tape is what happens at each voting location. That's supposed to be printed at that moment of time. The judges and the uh, ballot watcher, uh, poll watchers are supposed to sign that document by state law. 
these clerks are receiving instructions from the Secretary of State's office to not print the tally tapes. And there's some clause in state law that probably gives the Secretary of State authority that they can do that. Is that how it should happen? I don't think so. And so they should be contacting their representatives and saying, we want the tally tapes printed. There's a lot of issues. So get Laura on, and she can tell you all about it, but everyone needs to start waking up and realizing their vote matters. We can bring forth righteous representatives to stand for our beliefs and not just big corporate. Hmm. And that's why Texas Right to Know website, you start with the government and saving the vote, because without uh, valid elections, you've got nothing else, right? You don't have a chance on exactly. anything. And, that's uh, right. and every state, you know, the, the intention behind having a picture of the actual vote is to keep the system accountable, Right and auditable, and auditable, yes. and auditable. And if it's yes. if you don't have that, you've got nothing. And I forget who said it's not who votes; it's who counts the votes. Exactly. Right. And exactly. if they know, it doesn't really matter who's voting, as long as they can rig the system. Then forget it. All bets are off. We're done. All everything, all the campaigning, right. all the block walking, right. all the meetings. All the phone calls it's all theater. mean nothing. Exactly. It's all theater. This is something that we can do to engage locally. Everyone has a, a vote that happens where they live. And so making sure that you have good poll watchers, that people are really aware, particularly during this season. And I think that this is, with all of the debate that's been going on nationally around this, this is really the time for people to wake up and, and take charge again. Got it. You know, I just had a thought, Coleman. We don't have links in there on how to become a poll watcher. You guys are amazing. Well, speaking of Laura Presley, she was um, a big activist for smart meters and EMF and a common uh, issue that got you engaged. What we're going to be discussing is the cost of the projects. So we're the uh, – do you remember when y'all came in, Teresa, when y'all started getting smart meters there in Austin? Uh, I, I don't remember when. We've never had – one installed in our home. Um, well, good for you. Yes, we, we stopped that very quickly. Um, when we when they were going to come out and install it in our home, we told them not only no, but heck no. And yep. um, so, and thanks to yeah, the, the work that reason. you and she and uh, Laura Presley did, about a couple months later, we had that option. Um, well, that occurred after the 2013. Actually, in 2012, it went back, roll back. In 2010, when they started rolling out in Houston from Centerpoint and Encore in Dallas and Fort Worth, on each deployment of smart meters, when they transition from the analog, which the ones we've had for years that are simple, just simply measure your usage, to a smart meter, which is now a computer system that is recording the date and time of your activity, it communicates your utility usage to the uh, utility provider six times a day. But here's what they're not telling people. Those meters talk to each other. It's called a mesh network. And under court documents, we have it where those mesh networks, where the utilities say they only transmit six times a day, that's only dated to the utility. When they chatter and talk to each other, that can be 9,600 transmissions in 24 hours or 190,000 transmissions in 24 hours. So I think that is an egregious uh, failure to communicate that tidbit of how much is actually happening with those meters. Wow. Amazing. 
Interesting. So um, every time they transition from an analog to a smart meter, you get this influx of complaints of higher bills. But doubling, tripling, and every time the utilities say, well, your old meter must not have been working right. So um, what was interesting, though, California, that uses the exact same technology and used by many utility providers here in Texas, had a gas line blow up. So when they were looking at what happened with the gas line, we, they start going through the emails, and lo and behold, we start seeing what's really going on with the smart meters in California because Chairman PD emails that when he gets a smart meter on his vacation home, his bill doubles. Mm. <laughs> Mr. Chairman's bill doubled. Now, when it happened to him, it was a problem. When he'd hear the complaints from the public, it couldn't possibly be the smart meter. Right, right. Yeah. Very interesting. So we've got doubling of bills. Now, what's really disturbing on that is when you have low income or uh, people on fixed, fixed incomes or low income who have a HUD voucher, Section 8 housing, mm-hmm. part of their contract is to stay current with their utilities. So if they get a doubling of the utility bill, that demographic does not have the capacity to pay for it. Mm. So if their utility bill gets cut off, guess what happens, Teresa? They're out. They are out. out. They can lose their HUD voucher and they can lose their housing. Right, right. And and what's so nefarious about all of this is a lot of this is sold to us under the the idea that this is going to be better for the environment, that it's going to save us money, that we're not going to have to have these meter readers, and every single one of those things couldn't be further from the truth. Well, every time I believe the government gets involved in anything that's going to save money, that's going to be healthier for people, it's going to be environmentally friendly, it does the exact opposite. Those are the key words, right, that they play into to get the public to buy into it, and the opposite happens. The exact opposite. How about just the word smart? How about just the word smart? Right. Right. Okay. So these meters, they have two antennas, one that transmits to the utility. That's a 900 megahertz frequency that is exact as your cell phone frequency, and then a 2.4 gigahertz, which is like Wi-Fi. So these smart meters are designed to monitor and communicate control smart appliances. So what happens is all these smart appliances are sitting there transmitting data or transmitting trying to report to the smart meter. The smart meter is sitting there polling all the time, saying, anybody have anything for me? Dishwasher? TV? Anybody want to tell me anything? So there is perpetual emissions of radio frequencies throughout your home. Now, what was really disturbing is I have all of the equipment to come in and show you how much uh, radio frequency is going through your body. Now, you need to realize, to put in perspective, 2.4 gigahertz is the exact same frequency as your microwave, but it just happens that the microwave is stronger. So if you raise the intensity, that's a microwave. If you talk like this, that's a Wi-Fi. So it just takes longer. So um, our brains are being crooked, basically. We're living in a microwave. Well, that and every time you carry your cell phone in your absolutely in your pocket. Now, everybody, there's been this big debate, oh, there's no conclusive evidence. Well, there is conclusive evidence. And it was accomplished by Dr. Martin Paul, who's the 2013 Global Medical Research Award for showing that these frequencies affect your voltage gated calcium channels of your cells. So they hold the channel open too long, and it causes the cells to burn. Now we know the mechanism. So that would explain why common um, symptoms 
would include, well, let me back up, your pineal gland that's designed to detect darkness so that you release melatonin so that you sleep well. That's why you should sleep in all total darkness. Mm-hmm. The pineal gland can't tell the difference between light frequencies and these wireless frequencies around us. So to your body, it's in a chronic state of awake and alert mm. so you don't release melatonin. So one of the first symptoms that people report from excessive exposure, now mind you, this could be your cell phone by your bed, your cordless phone, your house phone, a baby monitor, Wi-Fi, and even your smart appliances. As those are perpetually emitting these frequencies, first thing that happens, people can't sleep, insomnia. Then, depending on the individual and the integrity of the health of the individual, um, if you're a man in grapevine in his early 50s, when he got a smart meter on his home that was about five feet from where he slept, he started having heart palpitations. Mm. So when you have heart palpitations, do you, who do you go to, Teresa? The heart doctor. Uh-huh. Is it cheap to have appointments with heart doctors? No. They're do you, specialists. Yeah. Do you have, oh, in fact, to get to a specialist, a lot of times you have to go to a GP. Right. Right. So you have to go to the doctor to get the, 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 the referral to the specialist, and then what are they going to do when you're there? Run all sorts of tests. Run all sorts of tests. And in order to run tests, do you have to leave work? Yes. Yeah, so you miss work. You're spending money on tests. You probably have a high deductible. Your insurance probably doesn't cover it all. If you have insurance, yep, go on. And what are you probably going to go home with? Medication. <laughs> Medication. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's the way it works. Right. So when I was talking with them in 2015, when we were trying to get a no-cost opt-out for everyone, um, I was telling them, I said, look, when people can't sleep, they start having heart palpitations, or their children's nose start bleeding chronically, they don't know to call their utility company. Right. They don't have a clue. Right. So what's happening when they put these meters, now let's talk about what a smart meter is. It records your electrical usage. So most people never even thought about it. Go look around your house, and you're going to see this dial with a glass on it. If it has digital numbers that move and change, that is a smart meter. If it's an analog, it has a wheel. So you want a wheel. But in this report, Teresa, that I'm like hot off the press today, I have pictures of an analog that people are, when they opt out of a smart meter, they're supposed to be given an analog. Inside that analog is a transmitting antenna. No. But it has a wheel. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's called a stealth or a Trojan horse analog. No. Yeah. Yeah. And... For your listeners, you know, you're talking about that when it came to your town, you got it off, right? Yes, I opted out. Uh Uh-huh. And you know why you could? Because of you and Laura Presley. No. Well, that, not me, but a lot of people, but because you live in a single-family dwelling. Got it. So if people live in an apartment, in a condo, any kind of multifamily, they are prohibited from opting out. So start looking at those apartment complexes, and you go look at that wall that has about 20, 30, 40 smart meters on it. Wow. Do that person who's on the other side of that wall, knock on the door, (gasps) and ask them, hey, I'm just checking. I noticed you had all these smart meters. Are you having any health problems? If you do, you might want to visit Texas Right to Know and learn a little bit about what could be your problem. When When I lived in Austin... And this was one of the big 
wake-up calls for me personally on this topic. I was living in an apartment complex, had about 11 meters that I slept on top of, and for months my roommates and I all complained that we none of us were able to sleep well. Now, we didn't know it was the smart meters, but it was pretty consistent with all of us. I remember one day there was a, actually a, a small wreck outside of our apartment complex and probably about 30 or 40 people who lived there at that complex all together, and, and I asked that question. So how many of y'all sleep well? And of the entire crowd of people there, not one person answered and said that they slept well. And I asked people, have they had any health issues since they moved into these apartments? And I had three different people that started having persistent nosebleeds, two people that came down with cancer, and, no. and insomnia was ubiquitous. It opened my eyes. And with this topic, unlike the the evils of, of GMOs and the, the medical industry with pharmaceuticals, that through knowledge, I can make a decision about whether I want to, to use those things or not. With this topic, this wasn't something that I could go to my apartment complex and ask them to remove that. I didn't have the right to do that. And for a piece of equipment that's on my house, I should have every right as an individual to say whether I want that or not. And the underlying health issues around this are, are huge, and people need to be educated on that. But it starts first with it's stating our right, that as a utility customer, we have the right to what, what's being used on our home. We have the right to know that the governing body who is supposed to be overseeing the safety of all this wireless technology is the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC. Now, Teresa, they utilize a method called specific absorption rate to determine, quote, standards. And I'm not even sure that they call them safety standards. They're just standards for wireless emissions. In this, they utilize, in this method, they utilize a mannequin head that has the plastic thickness of a 6'2 military male skull with a goo in it that's supposed to be a thermometer, a goo in it that's supposed to be your brain, a thermometer on top, and they determine how long and how close to keep the thermometer from heating up one degree. And that's the entire extent of the safety standards of all wireless. And just in July, you know, people see it on their phone, 3G, 4G, 5G. Well, that has to deal with the levels of frequencies being emitted. They, the SEC under Thomas Wheeler, unanimously approved to move straight forward with 5G. Now, this is in light that in May of this year, the National Toxicology uh, Institute under the National Health, NHI. National Institute of Health. Institute of Health came out with a report regarding cellular phones increasing glioblastoma and squamous heart, uh, brain and actually getting reports talking about potential um, cancers from radio frequency exposures. Now, in this report, you'll be able to link to all the reports that they've known for years, dating back to 1971, of the Naval Medical Research Report that clearly shows all the ills of, of uh, exposure to radio frequencies. There are letters from the Department of Interior concerned about the impact on birds and mortality. So the MF situation is enormous, and the biggest problem is it is undetectable. So many people don't believe it. I'm fine. I use a cell phone. There's no problem. I think it really started escalating with Wi-Fi because Wi-Fi for your home is like services 
two or three computers. What really is disturbing is the Wi-Fi in schools. So when you have the right meter where you can hear these frequencies, Wi-Fi sounds like and a cordless home phone sounds like. Well, I was in one person's home and I hear this boom, boom, boom. What in the world is that? It was their smart TV that was off. <gasps> it wasn't even on. So people need so, to unplug. <laughs> unplug. Unplug their wireless. Yes. Unplug their appliances. But who wants to go around unplugging yes. stuff? It's a pain in the butt. Well, you can on your router, depending on who your provider is. And what a lot of people are getting now is this U-verse that has 2.4 gigs and the 5 gigs. So you've got actually create a, a focus point. This is a very complex issue. Well, so here's the, here's the thing you do. One, be aware it happens. Number two, limit your exposure. If you're on your cell phone, use it on speaker. Use headsets. Try not to hold it. Don't carry it in your pocket. Women, don't put it in your bra. Remember the microwave heats water molecules? Yes. Well, what do you think your breast tissue has a lot of? Water. Are, are men in the southern region of your body? Radiation really likes round glands. Mm. Uh huh. So if it's a little higher, that would be like our eyes, cataracts. How many men walk around with cell phones in their pockets? Yep. All of and them. And you go ask. Uh huh. And what we're seeing is, uh, in fact, one of your nephew's really spry friends. Uh, anyway, we're seeing some um, reduction of of well the reports talk about a laptop on a man's lap reducing sperm fertility. count fertility it, it's it's fertility. terrible yes. right the issues are terrible yeah yes. we have just a few minutes left and we've got so much to cover obviously we've got to get you back on what are the um what are the other hot issues name another three hot issues that people need to be aware of okay number 1 is reduce your emf exposure if you have to have Wi-Fi, use it when you need it, turn it off, and a minimum turn it off at night. Get a corded phone if you have a landline. Use your cell phone on speaker phones. Turn off the um, – put your things on airplane mode when you don't need, need it. If your children are watching videos on iPads, download it away from them, put it on airplane mode, and then let them do their iPad thing. Now, also on Texas Right to Know, under health, you're going to see uh, Fairness for Docs. Coming in December is going to be a sunset review of the Texas Medical Board. Um, in this, every 10 years, the state kind of looks at these agencies and see what's going on. Well, I'll tell you what's going on with the Texas Medical Board. Teresa, they have rights and access to your medical records without a complaint being issued, without your consent, and without a warrant. And how did that happen? Exactly. Good question, huh? Right. You know, you so go to the doctor, what's the first thing they give you to sign is the HIPAA form. Uh-huh which the Texas Medical Board says they uh, don't have to adhere to, neither have to respect your Second Amendment rights to privacy. So you remember we were talking about when people get these symptoms and uh, um, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fourth Amendment to privacy, um, when they had these symptoms like the man that had heart palpitations. Right. If the doctors who are aware of what's going on are known as functional medicine or alternative or complementary, different names. These doctors who are not adhering directly to the mandates established by the insurance companies or even by the American Medical Association, if they're outside the standard of care, the Texas Medical Board is targeting them. 
with investigations. Um, people need to get involved. We've got to protect our doctors. We have to hold our state agencies accountable to the legislatures. We've got to hold the legislators accountable to their constituents. They work for us. Absolutely. What else? Um, oh, let's let's end on a happy note. We have food um, on it because, you know, it's an essential of life. So I'll pass that on to Coleman. Excellent. And this has been such a, a fun topic. So what we are trying to get past in Texas is industrial hemp. Now, industrial hemp is, by definition, the plant that has three-tenths of one percent or less of THC. Now, THC is the psychoactive molecule that they associate with marijuana use. And so one of the biggest things that we're doing from a political education standpoint is trying to bring good definition to the plant. That anything that's under 0.3% THC is, is defined as hemp. And these are products that you can find at Whole Foods. You can find hemp seeds, hemp milk, hemp protein. They're in the Austin area. There are many thriving hemp businesses. Anything that's above that 0.3 amount, use medicinally by a recommendation from a physician we call medical cannabis. And it's important that we grab hold of that word cannabis again because prior to prohibition of this plant, cannabis was in 60% of all the different drugs that were used at the time. It was prominently found in the American Pharmacopoeia. Cannabis is the root for canvas. We use canvas in our ships for hundreds of years. And so a very, very um, usable product, both from an industrial standpoint, um, many, many cars, companies use hemp in their dashboards and, and headliners. Um, it can be used for biodegradable plastics. The, the health side of it, it's very high in omega fatty acids, has the perfect ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acids. And one of the most exciting things that we found in this really of late is, is hemp also produces CBD. Now, a little, little bit of clarity on this in Texas. There was a bill in Texas that was passed that allows for up to 0.5%. So this would be a medical cannabis bill for children that have epilepsy, and they have failed two different pharmaceutical drugs and get two recommendations from physicians. So fairly limited bill. And that's gotten a lot of momentum recently nationwide to, to start using CBD for people who have seizures. But it's still not legal in Texas. Well, so and that's, and that's where we need the clarity. So many hemp uh, CBD products are available in Texas right now. Uh, you could purchase them there at People's Pharmacy in Austin. Right, that uh, doesn't have the THC. Correct. So not psychoactive. It's under that 0.3 amount. And these are coming from growers that are in, in line with Section 7606 of the Farm Bill that was passed in 2014. So you've got states like Colorado, and actually Kentucky is the largest producer of hemp in the country, um, that can sell these products, that can ship them over state lines, and those are things that you can legally purchase in the state. But understanding the difference between hemp CBD oil and, and medical cannabis CBD oil. So that's coming from plants above that 0.3% is important. And what's so exciting, and this is such a good news um, for, for all of the people who just heard the very damaging news about electromagnetic frequencies, is what we found 
is that CBD is actually a calcium channel blocker. So when we're talking about those voltage-gated calcium channels and how it stays open too long and it causes the, the cell really to burn up, CBD is a regulator, so it helps to alleviate anxiety. Um, anti-inflammatory, anti-spasmodic, anti-seizure. Now, this is all accomplished through nutrition. Our body has more receptor sites for cannabinoids. Now, cannabinoids are the family of molecules. We mentioned THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, CBD, cannabidiol, which is non-psychoactive. Well, there's CBG, CBC, CBN. There's 137 different cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Coleman. Thank you, Sheila. TexasRightToKnow.com, and we will also post the audio on Living Wealthy Radio. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com. 